In the upper room, Jesus told his disciples he was leaving. He comforted them by saying, Let not your heart be troubled. I will come again. Listen again to those last four words. I will come again. Jesus didn't stutter. He didn't hesitate. There was no doubt or disbelief in his voice. And neither should there be in our hearts. The second coming of Jesus Christ is the blessed hope of the church. Jesus described his coming this way. At that time they will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of the sky with power and great glory. So friend, let not your heart be troubled. I'm Ron Jones. Something good starts right now. Hello and welcome to this Tuesday edition of Something Good with Dr. Ron Jones, lead pastor at Atlantic Shores Baptist Church in Virginia Beach, Virginia. My name is Brian, thanks for tuning in. Today, Ron takes us to what will be the most climatic event in human history as he continues his teaching series, What on Earth is Happening? Examining the prophecies of Jesus. Brace yourself, today's message promises to be one you won't soon forget. Stay with us now or drop by somethinggoodradio.org and listen to the broadcast on your schedule. That's somethinggoodradio.org. Listen or subscribe to the podcast at Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. From Matthew chapter 24, here's Ron with today's Something Good Radio message, The Day Christ Returns. Well, today I want to talk to you about the most climactic event in human history. And no, I'm not talking about the day that Neil Armstrong set foot on the moon for the first time in human history. That was an epic event and one that we often look back to, even the thought of going to Mars today. What, what an incredible idea. I'm not talking about uh, the end of World War I or the end of World War II, uh, Victory Day as they called it. Uh, I'm not talking about the end of the Vietnam War, even, even the Civil War. Some may point to the end of the Civil War and the end of slavery and the time when Abraham Lincoln, our president then, uh, uh, gave a speech called the Emancipation Proclamation, an epic time in history, an important time in history, but, but not the most climactic time in human history. I, I'm not talking about uh, the day Elvis left the building or the Beatles, you know, showed up in America, or when Kanye drops a new album. He'd like to think it's the most climactic time in human history, but, but it's not. I'm not even talking about in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. That was a big day, wasn't it? Big six days there. Seventh day he rested. That was a beginning, not an ending. Now, what I'm suggesting today is the most climactic event in human history will be, notice the future tense, the second coming of Jesus Christ. Now, I know some people right now who are saying, you got to be kidding me, preacher. Another one of these preachers talking about the second coming of Jesus Christ. Some are sighing. Uh, some are glazing over in their eyes. Some might be rolling their eyes into the back of their head, thinking that some you know, preacher is going to sensationalize this and give dates and charts and all that kind of garbage. No, I'm, I'm not here to do that. 
But I am here to tell you that the second coming of Jesus Christ is the most talked about prophetic event in the Bible and the most climactic uh, event in human history. Uh, The Apostle Peter, in his New Testament letters, warned about those who would scoff and mock at the idea of the coming of Jesus. Uh, 2 Peter 3 and verses 3 and 4, he says, knowing this, first of all, that scoffers will come in the last days with scoffing, following their own sinful desires. They will say, where is the promise of His coming? For ever since the fathers fell asleep, all things are continuing as they were from the beginning of creation. He goes on to say, but do not overlook this one fact, beloved, that with the day, one, with the Lord, rather, one day is as a thousand years, and a thousand years is as one day. The Lord is not slow to fulfill His promise, as some count slowness, but is patient toward you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. Sure, for 2,000 years uh, we've been talking about the second coming of Jesus Christ, and some are saying, ah, you know, come on, he, he isn't coming. He, he's slow. We shouldn't believe all that nonsense anymore. Peter reminds us every day he chooses not to return. Every day the Father chooses not to turn to the Son and say, Son, go. Is another opportunity for you, for me, for anybody else who has yet to come to faith in Christ to place their faith in Him. He's not slow because He's not here to fulfill His promise. It's, it's, uh, it's patience on his part, wishing that every person would come to faith and repentance. And maybe that describes you today. Maybe today is your day of salvation. Jesus said the Father is always working, and he is, working to bring men and women and boys and girls and young people to the cross of Christ. And if he didn't come right now at this hour, this is your opportunity to come to faith and to repentance and I trust that you will receive it as such. But the doctrine of the second coming of Jesus Christ for believers in Jesus Christ and for the church is known as the blessed hope. Think about that, the blessed hope of the church. Our hope, yes, we look backwards in faith at the cross of Christ and the resurrection of Jesus Christ, his ascension to heaven, but we wait in faith and in hope for his return. And so Paul in his letter to Titus described the second coming of Christ as the blessed uh, hope of the church. By the way, did you know that the second coming of Jesus Christ is mentioned 1,845 times in the Bible? That's a lot of editorial space. And you can't ignore that many references. Now, one of my former professors, uh, Dr. John Walvard, who is with the Lord today, um, he, in his time, during the mid to late 20th century was one of the most renowned Bible prophecy experts and theologians you know, on the planet. He was the guy that the network news went to when there was some dramatic event, world event, and they wanted a theologian's view on it. They would go to Dr. John Walvard on ABC or NBC or CBS uh, to offer his perspective on world events and Bible prophecy. Dr. Walvard readily admits that many of the prophecies in the Old Testament concerning the second coming of Jesus Christ, uh, you know, it's a a little bit uh, difficult to discern between the first and the second coming of Christ. And maybe that's why our Jewish friends missed it. 
They missed their Savior, Jesus, their Messiah, and they don't, they don't accept him as that, at least not now. Uh, we see him as, uh, as the, 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 the once prophesied Messiah, the long-awaited Messiah who came and died on the cross for our sins, came as the suffering servant the first time. He'll come as the reigning and victorious and glorious King of kings and Lord of lords at his second coming. But 1,845 references, who's talking about the second coming? Where'd all those references come from? Let me break it down a little bit. First, from the prophets. Uh, here's one example, and we could go to many, but Zechariah chapter 14 and verses 3 and 4. Then the Lord will go out and fight against those nations as when he fights on a day of battle. Most likely a reference to the Battle of Armageddon, which closes out the seven years of the tribulation right prior to the second coming of Christ. Verse 4, on that day, his feet shall stand on the Mount of Olives that lies before Jerusalem on the east, and the Mount of Olives shall be split in two from east to west by a very wide valley so that one half of the mount shall move northward and the other half southward. What a dramatic picture here uh, with geographic movements in the earth. Why do I say that this section of Scripture found in Matthew 24 and 25, the Olivet Discourse, is so fascinating, at least for me, because here's Jesus on the Mount of Olives having a conversation with Peter, James, and John, and Andrew just days before his crucifixion. They're talking about the signs of the end of the age, and he's talking about it while he's seated on the place to which Zechariah says he will return, his feet landing upon the Mount of Olives and splitting the mountain in half. That's just one example from the prophets. Uh, secondly, the angels are talking about the second coming of Christ. Now I take you to Acts chapter 1 and verses uh, 9 through 11. This just prior to uh, the day of Pentecost recorded in Acts chapter 2. You know the scene, the early church is gathered in Jerusalem. They're in the upper room. They're praying, uh, uh, waiting for the coming of the Holy Spirit as Jesus told them. Jesus is having a conversation uh, on the Mount of Olives with some of his disciples, and the ascension takes place, right? We have his crucifixion, his resurrection three days later. Forty days later, he ascends to the Father. He just starts floating up into the clouds. Verse 9 of Acts 1 says, Behold, two men stood by them in white robes, probably two angels, and said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking up into heaven? Can you just picture the disciples with their jaws, you know, dropped down to their belt? This Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. Just as he ascended into the clouds, he will come on the clouds at his second coming with the angels and the trumpet call of God and all of that. And just as he ascended from the Mount of Olives, he will land upon the Mount of Olives at his second coming. So the prophets are talking about the second coming. The angels mention the second coming. Uh, we could stay in the New Testament and discover that the apostles mention the New Testament or mention the uh, second coming as well. Again, time just only permits uh, maybe one reference here. Hebrews chapter 9, verses 27 and 28, the writer of Hebrews says, And just as it is appointed for man to die once, and after that comes judgment. I always like to stop there and just 
remind all of us, we die once. Christianity is a resurrection faith, not a reincarnation faith. Just as it is appointed for man to die once, and after that comes judgment, so Christ, having been offered once to bear the sins of many, when did that happen? About 2,000 years ago on the cross, right? That's when he, he bore our sins upon the cross, paid the penalty for our, our sins. It says he will appear a second time, not to deal with sin, but to save those who are eagerly waiting for him. What a great verse of scripture. Don't go away. We're only about halfway through today's message with Dr. Ron Jones, lead pastor at Atlantic Shores Baptist Church in Virginia Beach, Virginia. Today's teaching is part of Ron's series, What on Earth is Happening? Examining the Prophecies of Jesus. Visit our updated website, somethinggoodradio.org, for more information on this series or to hear any of Ron's daily messages on demand. That's somethinggoodradio.org. When you stop by, check out something new from Dr. Ron Jones we're calling Something Good Television. SGTV is a weekly broadcast featuring Ron's Bible teaching ministry. If you're looking for Bible teaching for everyday life, Something Good Television is the place to go. Stop by to check out the sample episodes at somethinggoodradio.org. When you read 1 Corinthians chapter 13, the love chapter, you'll notice that the very first thing love is supposed to be is patient. The Lord is not slow to return. He is not tarrying. He is merely being patient so that as many people as possible can come to the knowledge of repentance. Here's Ron with the second half of his Something Good radio message, The Day Christ Returns. He will appear a second time, and he has a different reason for coming. He's coming to save those who eagerly are awaiting for him. Now, the Bible tells us in Paul's letter to Timothy, it mentions one of the five crowns or rewards of the New Testament. And one of them is called the crown of righteousness. Paul says, a crown of righteousness has been laid up for me from the Lord himself, who is the righteous judge. And not only for me, but for all those, listen to this, who love his appearing. Do you love the appearing of Jesus? Are you eagerly awaiting for his appearing? Or have you not given it a second thought this week? I'm trying to bring it to uh, the frontal lobe of your thinking. This is the most climactic event that will take place in human history. And for those who love his appearing, who eagerly await for his appearing, there is a special reward in heaven. I've got to move on. The prophets, the angels, the apostles, and you guessed it, even Jesus Christ is... Um, talking about his second coming. I read these verses a few minutes ago, but let's read them again. Matthew 24, beginning in verse 29, Jesus says, immediately after the tribulation of those days, the sun will be darkened and the moon will not give its light and the stars will fall from heaven and the powers of the heavens will be shaken. Then will appear in heaven the sign of the Son of Man and then all the tribes of the earth will mourn and they will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. And he will send out his angels with a loud trumpet call, and they will gather his elect from the four winds from one end of heaven to the other. This is just one time that Jesus mentions and predicts his second coming. 
careful study of the four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, identifies 21 different times that Jesus mentioned his second coming. So who's talking about the second coming? Maybe you and I should have a conversation about it this week because the prophets have been talking about it, the angels have been talking about it, the apostles have been talking about it, Jesus has been talking about it. And in the one time that I just referenced, in Matthew chapter 24, verses uh, 29 through 31, I, I, I see seven descriptions of how Christ will return. Let me just share these with you real quickly. Number one, his return will happen suddenly. Look at uh, verse 29. Immediately after the tribulation of those days. Now, if you've been with us in this study, you know that last week and the week before that, we, we were talking about a period of time on planet Earth known as the tribulation, the great tribulation, also known in Scripture as um, Jacob's trouble, Daniel's 70th week of Bible prophecy. It's a future time of seven years of what I call the worst of times on planet Earth, that terrible, horrible, no good, very bad time of tribulation. I believe from a careful study of the Scriptures that uh, that time will be preceded by the next event on God's prophetic calendar known as the rapture of the church, kind of phase one of His second coming. But in Bible prophecy, we often talk about these as two separate events, His rapture, of the church at the front end of the tribulation, and then the second coming of Christ at the back end. Some people blur those uh, and, and blur the distinction between the two events, but again, a careful reading of Scripture identifies that the language used in the Bible to describe the second coming is different than the language used, for instance, in Paul's letter to the Thessalonians where we have the largest description and revelation of the rapture of the church. Okay? The rapture of the church is described as happening in the twinkling of an eye. As fast as you can blink your eye, it'll happen. The second coming of Jesus Christ, though, is just as sudden, but it happens like a thief in the night, the Bible says. Sudden, surprising to many in the world, catching many off guard like a thief in the night. For example, Revelation chapter 16 and verse 15, Jesus says, Behold, I am coming like a thief. Blessed is the one who stays awake, keeping his garments on, that he may not go about naked and be seen exposed. Uh, in 1 Thessalonians 5 and verse 2, the Apostle Paul writes, For you yourselves are fully aware that the day of the Lord, another a way to reference the second coming of Christ. The day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night, he says. 1 Thessalonians 5 and verse 4, but you are not in darkness, brothers, for that day to surprise you like a thief. And one more, 2 Peter 3 and verse 10, but the day of the Lord will come like a thief, and then the heavens will pass away with a roar, and the heavenly bodies will be burned up and dissolved, and the earth and the works that are done on it will be exposed. When Jesus Christ returns at the end of the age and at the end of the seven years of tribulation, he will come suddenly, he will come surprisingly. Question is, are you ready for it? Will you be surprised by it? The disciples didn't want to be surprised. They said, Jesus, what are the signs of your coming? And he talked about some of those signs. Secondly, uh, Christ will return dramatically. Let's read on 
uh, there in verse 1. It says, immediately after the tribulation of those days, listen to this, the sun will be darkened and the moon will not give its light and the stars will fall from heaven and the powers of the heaven will be shaken. Now that is the description of a dramatic scene. Earlier, in the verses uh, just above that, Jesus says his coming will be like a lightning strike in the sky. And as best as I understand this picture here, uh, this will happen again at the end of the tribulation uh, during the battle of Armageddon. And imagine for a moment the battle waging midday, expect the sun to be out, but the sky darkens. And as the sky darkens, the moon doesn't shine. And the stars of heaven begin to fall. I don't know, meteors, whatever they are, but something is happening in the heavens. And then he says, the powers of the heavens will be shaken. This is such a dramatic event. God is trying to get the world's attention because Jesus Christ is on his way. Thanks for being here for today's Something Good Radio message, The Day Christ Returns. And we'll pick it up right here tomorrow when Ron continues his teaching series, What on Earth is Happening? Examining the Prophecies of Jesus. Hello, friend. I'm Ron Jones of Something Good Radio. If you've been with us for a while, if you're a regular listener and God is using this broadcast in your life, I want to speak directly to you. When you first tuned in or streamed Something Good, did you know that other people paid to air that program? We call them our ministry partners. They have people just like you in mind when they donate monthly to Something Good, which is a 100% listener-supported ministry. Now that you're a regular listener, will you do the same? Will you help us share something good with someone else? We created the 828 Club for people who choose to partner with this ministry through prayer and monthly financial support. It's based on Romans 8.28, which in the message says, every detail in our lives of love for God is worked into something good. I'm asking you to prayerfully consider joining the 828 Club today by giving $28 or more per month to share something good with someone else. And when you do, we'll send you some resources to help you grow in your relationship with God. It's our way of saying thanks for your partnership in this gospel ministry. So please join the 828 Club today. Here's Brian with all the details. Partnership is essential in order for the body of Christ to fulfill the Great Commission. It always has been. Today, Ron wants to invite you to join him in sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ through the Something Good Radio broadcast. When you partner with us, we'll start by sending you a copy of Ron's book, Mysteries of the Afterlife, exploring its amazing secrets. Other 828 Club benefits will arrive throughout the year. To join the 828 Club today, look for Something Good Partners at somethinggoodradio.org. That's somethinggoodradio.org or call 757-276-1099. And if you can't become a partner but would like to make a donation to Something Good Radio today, we'll be happy to send you the complete audio download of the series you're hearing now, What on Earth is Happening? Examining the Prophecies of Jesus. Make a donation online at somethinggoodradio.org or mail your gift to P.O. Box 6245, Virginia Beach, Virginia, 23456. You can also call our offices at 757-276-1099. 
Be careful where you're investing in this world. If all your investments are earthly, <laughs> it's, it's going to go up in smoke one day, in fire. Heaven and earth will pass away, Jesus says, but my words will not pass away. And it's a reminder to us, friends, that there are only two things that last for all of eternity. It's souls, invest in souls, because we are, we are created for eternity, to live forever in a place called heaven or a place called hell. And the other thing that will last forever is the Word of God. You can trust it. You can take it to the bank. It is a sure word of prophecy. That's tomorrow in part two of Dr. Ron Jones' message, The Day Christ Returns. Join us then for Something Good. For Ron and the entire team here at Something Good Radio, I'm Brian Davis. God bless and thanks for listening.